Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm the host of Yoga Birth Babies, and today's conversation was inspired by my students. A couple months ago, I had a lot of students that were having their second babies that felt that their first births were really traumatic and challenging. And then there was a lot of anxiety about how am I going to go into my next birth? And in full transparency, I had the same problems with my own experience. My first birth was really hard. It was really hard. And I was very concerned, how am I going to handle it if I have another birth like that? And so I thought this is a topic that we need to have a conversation about. And as I was researching traumatic and challenging births, some of the data I found showed that one in three new parents report their births as traumatic. Those are huge numbers. Those are numbers that we need to look at and then offer support. One in three new parents report their birth as traumatic. That means a lot of people need a lot of support. And I'm hoping that this conversation can offer a little support. So I have Kristen Lassiter. She is a board-certified psychiatrist in Texas who specializes in reproductive psychiatry and women's health. She's the founder of Reproductive Psychiatry Clinic of Austin. She gives some fantastic information of even the signs and symptoms that this isn't just normal postpartum, but things are a little rocky and you may choose to find some support. We talk about how to process your birth, talk therapy, how do we do that without re-traumatizing ourselves? How do we prepare ourselves for those that are going to have another birth and find the care provider that aligns with you that can really support? you. So I think this is a very important conversation. And I hope if you did have a traumatic or challenging birth, this gives you permission to recognize that you did nothing wrong and that there will be support available for you and to hopefully help you take those first steps. And if you're facing your second birth, again, helping you get to the other side of some of that burden you carry on you so that you can step into your second birth feeling a little more open and free. 
So I'm really excited about this conversation. Before we get to this talk, just a reminder that as things start to get back in person, yay, we are going to continue our online classes. So we're going to now bridge that gap between just in just online and just in the studio. We're going to have in-studio classes with some live streaming, so a hybrid, and then we're going to keep just a few classes just online just to keep that really intimate community we've created. So just keep an eye on our website for our expanding schedule and how we can best support and serve you throughout your pregnancy and postpartum. Also, if you've been having some aches and pains between classes and you can't make it to class as much as you'd like, make sure you head to our website, prenatalyogacenter.com and download the five simple solutions to the most common pregnancy pains. It's like a little cheat sheet for times that you can't make it into class. I'll help you with your back and your hips and all those areas that your pregnant and postpartum body might need a little more attention on because you deserve to be happy and healthy. And then just the last thing before we get to this conversation with Kristen is the teacher training. People have been asking, okay, things are starting to open up. What are you going to do about teacher training? We have made the commitment that for the next two teacher trainings, they're going to stay online, which is great because we've had people from all over the world world taking our trainings throughout COVID. And we don't want to close that door completely. So at least we're going to have two trainings in early early fall and late fall. And then we're hoping to do, if Yoga Alliance says we can stay online, we're hoping at least one training a year will be online. So those that don't have the opportunity to travel to New York, we can still study together and enrich each other's lives and, and learning. So definitely for the rest of 2021, we're going to be online and then we'll be in Washington, DC. And then so excited that in the spring we'll be in person in New York, but check all of that out on our website. Okay, we're going to take a super quick break, and when we come back, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Kristen Lassiter. Hi, Kristen. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Deborah? I am doing really well. So I wanted to thank you for being open to having this conversation because this is not some of my light, quirky conversations. You know, we're talking about traumatic birth. So I think, you know, we have a lot to go over and I'm really excited. So I guess before we jump in, I'd love to learn a little bit about you and how you decide to focus on reproductive psychiatry. Sure. I am a reproductive psychiatrist out of Texas, specifically Austin, Texas. I started a clinic there called Reproductive Psychiatry Clinic of Austin. I originally went into medical school thinking that I was going to do OB-GYN because I absolutely love women's health and all of all the things that go into supporting women around birth in particular. And when I started doing medical school, I realized and I I love psychiatry and I had no idea that that would even happen, but it it's just a topic that I can't seem to get enough of. And as I was doing my residency interviews, um, specifically in, on the East Coast, I, I came across reproductive psychiatry and women's mental health, which we didn't really have much of in Texas. So I hadn't heard of it before then. And I felt like it was just the perfect combination of the, the two, um, two parts of medicine that I 
that I absolutely love and feel passionate about. So it ended up working out perfectly. That's wonderful. I love when people find their passion and then have the opportunity to pursue it. So this is, you definitely have the background to dive into this. So the whole reason that I reached out is I've had a lot of second time parents talking to me about how to mentally prepare for labor after a challenging first birth. So I thought, all right, let's dig into that. And then as I was doing some research, and I'd actually written about this in the past, Some of the data I found, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I saw that one in three new parents report their birth as being traumatic. So I thought this was super important to talk to, Mm -hmm. talk about. So I guess one of the things we can talk about is, I guess a bigger theme is how does someone heal from a traumatic or difficult birth? What are your, what are some of your initial thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I I do want to say that I think this is a really important topic. I think that it's something that isn't talked about enough. And a lot of times parents can struggle with a lot of shame around the experience that they had with maybe a more traumatic birth or, or feel like they're the only ones struggling with it. So mm-hmm. I think, I, I think it's great that, that you're focusing on this topic in terms of mentally preparing for birth after going through a more, a more difficult one, I think really processing that first birth is absolutely, absolutely vital. It's, you know, going into another birth when you've, when you've had a traumatic experience and you haven't yet been able to come to terms with everything that happened, I think creates a lot more fear and anxiety around that next birth. Um, and not realizing that you, you can get through this and, and it's not going to, you know, define your, your birth totally or define your relationship with your newborn or, or your ability to mother. Mm, that's important because I could imagine that that the, the ability to mother could be really huge. I had a hard birth. I don't know if I'm meant to do this. How am I going to be a, a new parent? I could see that being mm-hmm. a really huge problem. So say someone does have, they come out of their first birth and it's traumatic or difficult. What are some of the steps in general? So not even a second birth. I have some questions about that later down the line, but it's right after the birth, they're realizing it did not go exactly how they envisioned. What are some of the ways that someone could start to process that? Do they go into talk therapy? Do they, I mean, sometimes they might not even know the signs that something's off. They may think, well, this is just normal how a new parenthood's supposed to be. Yes, I hear that a lot is that people didn't even realize that they had had a hard time dealing with their birth until maybe their second birth. And they're, then they're realizing, well, the first birth was, you know, not normal or the way that I, I reacted to what had happened, you know, wasn't healthy maybe. And the talk therapy, in my opinion, is always helpful, even if the birth wasn't traumatic, even if, you know, everything's going well, I think having that extra support is never a bad idea. But especially after having a traumatic birth, going to talk with somebody who is specialized in um, helping people process that is, is really important and can be really beneficial in terms of healing and and growing from the experience. Mm -hmm. But in general, just allowing yourself to 
to experience whatever emotions come up or whatever feelings and thoughts are there and not judging yourself for it, not being hard on yourself, giving, giving yourself some grace with with what's coming up for you because everybody experiences birth differently. Everybody experiences, um, parenthood differently and going into it with that kind of approach, I think is beneficial in multiple ways, you know, regardless of whether you had a traumatic birth or not, um, you know, going into parenthood with, with kind of this openness to experience whatever, or allow whatever, uh, emotions are there to to have space and be there. That's great. What would be some symptoms that somebody, or maybe they, not even that person, because they may not, they might be so deep into this, but the people around them may start to recognize is this is beyond the norm of a parenting adjusting. Like it's not just, you know, we're having a bumpy ride, but there are really some signs that we need to get some help. What are some of those primary symptoms of birth trauma? I think not being able to function like you would normally be able to function is probably the biggest um, red flag. So not functioning the same in your relationships in terms of engaging the same with others, not feeling like you can handle the same amount of stress or, you know, challenges that might come up, having trouble with your sleep and that's not getting better or just feeling like it's all too overwhelming um, or feeling irritable or, or down, not really being able to enjoy your, your baby or, or the experience. Those are some, some symptoms and are pretty common for people to experience. Mm-hmm. And then as I'm asking all these questions, I realize I didn't even ask you about defining what would be considered a traumatic or a difficult birth. Because I could imagine someone listening to this thinking, did I have a traumatic or difficult birth? It just seemed it was hard. So are there any, and maybe there aren't, I'm just kind of shooting from the hip here. Are there any necessarily guidelines or any ways to define, or is it just personally what somebody came out feeling? It's more what somebody came out feeling. It's all about the perception. So, you know, maybe somebody had what would be considered a normal birth and everything, you know, happened pretty status quo, but their perception of the event was, was very scary, or they thought maybe their life was in danger, or maybe their baby's life was in danger, um, or even a partner witnessing, um, witnessing a birth might experience it as traumatic when, when maybe, you know, no actual life-threatening event was occurring, Mm -hmm. but it's the perception of it being scary and being, um, being threatening that is, defines it as traumatic. And then I can imagine that if it is so personal that, you know, from the outsider looking in, everything was fine. The parent, the baby were healthy. We didn't see any trauma. It might then be harder for the support person, like the partner or the family to maybe even recognize that the, the birthing person was traumatized because to them, they'd be like, oh, everything kind of just rolled along. But maybe the person that was actually having the baby felt disrespected or scared and nobody even recognized that. So then I could imagine the trauma could be pretty deep seated and, and nobody might see that. 
Exactly. People can, <laughs> yes, yes. People can feel very alone in, in going through birth that way. And, you know, for hospital staff who see all types of birth or, you know, midwives or OBs, they might not even recognize that this was something traumatic for that person. Um, so yeah, it definitely can be, can be difficult to, to pick out. Yeah. And then also, like you said, very lonely. What are ways mm-hmm. someone may mourn the birth they didn't have? I hear that a lot from students that they had, and even though we talk in class about not having necessarily a very distinct image, because we know that birth is very fluid, but I've had students that went in for one type of birth and then had a very different birth. And the way they've described it is like they, they were mourning that loss of what they did not have and they wanted. What are some ways someone can process that and get through that? I think journaling is one of the best ways to, to process that grief and recognizing that this didn't go the way that you had imagined it and that it's okay to have those feelings of grief be there and, and allow space for those feelings. And, you know, just because maybe it wasn't as bad as someone else's, or maybe you've heard, um, worse stories or, or maybe you're feeling like you should just be grateful for, you know, some outcome. Um, I think part of processing all of it is just allowing yourself to even grieve or have space for those feelings that, then it didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to. Yeah. I've had students say, you know, I feel badly that I feel bad about it because baby and I are fine. And this is like, well, people have told me like, oh, either next time or just be happy you and baby are fine. But they felt really um, discontent that it was just so different or sad. So I like what you're saying, kind of just sitting and processing it and journaling it. I was yeah, absolutely. I was, I was wondering about the journaling, actually, now that I'm talking about that. And, and you were talking about talk therapy. If someone is talking out their birth story with a therapist or a friend, is it possible that they could be re-traumatizing themselves every time they explain the story, almost like reliving the experience? That's a great question. I, it's, it's a little bit complicated. I think that if they are talking it out with somebody who is trained in managing trauma, then it can actually be very healing. And that's part of the healing process is, is talking about the experience and, and going through kind of the different thoughts and beliefs about what had happened. But at the same time, if you're talking about it with somebody who maybe um, isn't trained in talking through traumatic experiences or doesn't have um, maybe doesn't have the the expertise in managing that, they might say or do something that could actually make the person feel worse. And it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the person and their experience. It more has to do with that friend, um, and their reaction to, to what's being said based on kind of their past experiences. So I think it just depends on who it is you're talking to. And then maybe if someone does feel like they've had a challenging birth, be very, I don't know if that's the right word, but what I wanted to say is protective of who you share that with. So I don't know if that's, does that sound right? 
Yes, no, absolutely. I think having boundaries around that story is is really important. You don't have to share it with everyone. You can say, you know, I'd rather not talk about that or that's not something, um, you know, that then I feel comfortable discussing. So I've seen in postnatal yoga before and after class, the, the students talk, and I love that, that we have that community. But what I've also seen on some occasions is someone will talk about their birth and then it turns into everyone. And every now and then it's not like happy stories, like, like one traumatic story stacked on top of another. And it feels like instead of um, supporting, they're actually de-escalating into kind of like a big trauma black hole. So when that, like, right. does that make, does that make any sense? So what happened? Yes. Like, what can one do in that situation? Or is there anything as the teacher? Cause I'm not technically teaching class. I'm just observing this to jump in. So how can I help? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think. I think it's great when people want to share their stories. And for some people, that is how they process the trauma. And so maybe talking with um, other friends or other other people who have been through a similar experience is what helps them get through it or helps them not feel alone or not feel as much guilt. Um, but I think if that's something that would make it worse for you in particular, really having those boundaries of, you know, not discussing it or walking away when somebody starts telling, you know, a, a story that's triggering to, to you or, mm-hmm. you know, turning off the TV if there's something on the news that's triggering. Mm-hmm. Um, as the instructor, I, I think that's a little bit more difficult, um, because, I assume you want to allow people the space to Absolutely. feel feel comfortable bringing up what they want to talk about, um, and so maybe just validating what they're going through and and how you know some people don't have the birth that they they imagine that they would have. Um, yeah, I just and try maybe to usually steering the, the conversation. Space. Yeah, yeah, because I'm not a trained. Um, that's not my training in 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 the mental health world, but I do like, I've heard that and I've heard, I've just seen it get very heavy. And then people leaving almost like they feel slightly wounded, like mentally exhausted. Mm -hmm. And I never know as I kind of circle around and hear if I should step in and try to break up the conversation or just let them work it out. Cause again, I'm not facilitating it, but just tends to, to occur. And I feel like sometimes it just gets very deep. So mm-hmm. I guess just let them process and work it out and and support each other, I guess, is ideally what we're thinking. Right. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'd love to talk about ways to avoid blaming oneself for their experience because I understand that from a personal experience with my birth and I've heard it from others. So we'll be right back. All right. So I think this one is big and I will fully put out that my first birth was, it was challenging. I wouldn't call it traumatic. I would call it very long and it did take a very traumatic toll on my body. And so, and I blamed myself for some of my choices before. And I know that others often blame themselves if things didn't go as they hoped. And it's probably not the healthiest thing that I'm still blaming myself 10 years later. So what are some, what are some tools 
to either work through or pass the blaming themselves or avoid blaming themselves for the experience? I don't know that you can necessarily avoid blaming yourself. I think it's very common when somebody goes through a traumatic birth, then that thought comes up. Um, it doesn't happen with everyone, but I think that thought does come up and, and it's natural to, to have that, you know, thought of what, what went wrong, what could have gone differently? What role did I play in it? I think making sure that your thoughts are accurate is really important. So a lot of times we kind of jump to conclusions or have assumptions that, you know, bad things happen, um, when somebody's bad or, or they did something wrong. Um, but that's not necessarily true. And so stepping back and seeing, you know, was this my intention for this outcome to happen? What, what was my real role and real responsibility in it and looking at it from a very objective point of view mm-hmm. um, and reminding yourself then, okay, I might feel like, like this was my fault or feel guilty, but the reality of the situation is I, I can't control it or I didn't want this um, and reminding yourself that then it wasn't what you had intended for the outcome to be. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I feel like so many, I feel like as parents, we blame ourselves for so much and starting literally from the birthing experience, that can be Mm -hmm. hard. So I would love to dive a little bit deeper now into the preparation for a second time parent about how to get through the anxiety. My biggest thing is I remember talking to my midwife and I was just so afraid of repeating that long, lengthy birth. And in my mind, I just didn't think I'd have the bandwidth to deal with the physical recovery and the emotional recovery after. And so I was just, I was super hesitant. And she and I talked about if there's a lot of hesitation going into the birth, that can affect how the birth unfolds. If there's all this anxiety, that adrenaline's going to be spiking and then the oxytocin can't flow and that can really hold things up. So she had asked me and I thought it was brilliant and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this and other thoughts. She'd said, so what are you, what are you going to do if it does head in that direction? And I had to take a second and think, and I said, okay, I guess I'm just going to have to keep moving forward. And that was the way that I was able to come to peace with, I might have the same repeat. What are your thoughts of how somebody can handle the anxiety of possibly repeating a difficult first birth? I think making sure that you have a really good support system is key. So I love that you could be open with your midwife about your fears and the experience that you had before. And I think that that is really important finding an OB or a midwife that you can trust and that you can have open communication with so that they can help you through that next experience and that you feel safe in their hands. Yeah. Um, I think it's also important to have maybe a doula or another support person there who can help with communication in case things get chaotic or you know, people are, are distracted with, with managing other, um, tasks, then that can help you with making sure that you're understanding what's going on. They're able to kind of talk you through, um, 
you know, maybe what the doctor's doing or, or, um, what the nurses are doing that way it, you know, it doesn't get lost in, um, in the chaos of everything. Mm -hmm. But I also think making sure, like I said before, that you're processing what happened that first time. So then it's not, it's not as heavy of a weight on you. It's not something, um, that's still being burdensome to you. So knowing that, okay, I got through that first one. It was hard. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm strong and I can, I can, if it happens again, I can get through it again. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's that important processing. Too. Yeah, I think the processing, like you keep saying, is just so important that if it's not processed, I'm imagining there can be big triggers as labor starts again for the, you know, Absolutely. if someone's having a vaginal birth and having labor, it can, it can imagine just like freezes them up. Absolutely. If I have a patient who has had a traumatic birth in the past and they come to me because they're already anxious while they're pregnant for the second time, they're already anxious about the birth that's to come. My, my recommendation all the time is to go to therapy, see somebody who specializes in traumatic birth to help them work through that first birth. And that makes all the difference with going through that next birth. Yeah. Cause it can really seize up the whole body. And I love that you recommended a doula because I'm full disclosure. I was a doula for about 10 years. I'm like, yay, doulas. Um, yes. <laughs> I also want to throw my own two cents. I think education really helps. So if somebody goes in understanding, having kind of knowing how to make informed decisions, I think that is going to be really helpful. So let's keep talking a little bit um, that about the preparation for the second labor and how to have clarity with the care provider and hospital staff. If somebody hasn't met the hospital staff, which usually they don't, how do they handle informing them that they just might need a little extra tender care, that you know, maybe they are carrying trauma and just to be really mindful of how they're touched, um, of how they're spoken to. Is that for if they have a doula or the partner or the actual pregnant person? How can we open communication so there is that safe space to open up in birth? That's a great question. Unfortunately, I don't think there's a standard way. I think it, it depends on the hospital. It depends or, you know, the birthing center. Um, and, and it depends also on the person because maybe they don't feel comfortable talking with complete strangers about, you know, the fact that they've had a traumatic birth or the fact that they don't feel comfortable with certain procedures or things being done a certain way. If, if they do though, I, I think the best thing is to just be upfront and to let the staff know that, hey, I had a really traumatic experience last time. I would appreciate if, you know, people ask me before they touch me or if people communicate everything that's going on um, or having their doula explain that to the staff. There have been a lot more hospitals um, that have been doing trainings with their nursing staff on on how to handle people who have had a traumatic experience before, because it's not all the time just a traumatic birth. So right. some people who have just had trauma in the past also need um, similar care. And, and I think it's great that a lot of hospitals are starting to do that, but unfortunately it's not standard yet. And so they might not even really know how to 
handle things differently. Absolutely. It's something that in the last several years has been big in the yoga community, trauma-informed yoga. Um, but I know it was interesting. I did a, a spinning babies workshop about a month ago and I was the only yoga teacher. Everyone else was labor and delivery nurses, which I thought was super cool. And one of the nurses, we were talking about asking permission to touch people's bodies. And one of the nurses at the end said, I thought it was fantastic to really think about asking people's permission. And she admitted, she said that she didn't really think much of it. She introduced herself. Sometimes she's learned their name, but she's kind of went about her procedures. And now this has been brought into her awareness and she's going to change her pattern. And so I don't think it's that people necessarily are trying to maybe not respect your body. It's just not in their, in their vision. Like it haven't been taught to do that. So it's nice to see things are shifting to recognize people carry a lot of trauma, whether it's from a birth or any other emotional trauma. Right. You think about, you know, being in that birthing world, you're touching, you know, 50 plus people a day. And it's not something if you're, especially if you're not trained to even think that way, it's not something that you're going to necessarily stop and ask permission. It's just kind of assumed that, oh, I'm, I'm here to, you know, examine you or, or here to, to do this procedure. So having trauma-informed providers is really important in situations like this so that they understand, um, you know, how to ask permission or how to bring up these difficult subjects. Yeah. Oh, I really enjoy that. So as we're wrapping up, is there anything from your background as a reproductive psychiatrist that I haven't asked about the healing and recovering from a difficult birth or from trauma? I really can't stress enough how important it is to see a therapist if you have gone through a really traumatic birth. I think it makes all the difference in terms of, in terms of recovering from it and, and growing from the experience. So if I, if I had to say one last thing, that would be, that would be my, my home point. That's so important. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. So this last question is not necessarily just about um, psychiatry, but any advice or tip of information you would like to offer new or expectant parents. We'll be right back. Okay. We're back. So from all of your background, is there one final tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new and expectant parents? It's going to be anything you think that they would like to chew on. Well, I think as parents, our, our initial reaction is always to take care of our children or our babies or put them first. And I think we forget that this is completely a symbiotic relationship. And then if you are not doing well, if you're not taking care of yourself, your child really doesn't have the, you know, everything they need to to grow and be happy and be healthy. And so I often tell my patients, you know, to put yourself first in terms of your mental health and your physical health, to spend that time and invest that time in, in your own health so that your baby can have the best chance of being healthy and happy. And I think as, as new parents, it's especially easy to forget that because, you know, here's this, a helpless creature that you have to do everything for, um, but really making sure that you're spending that time on taking care of yourself is so, so important for the development of your child. 
Yes, I totally agree. And then I also love that as they get older and see that as the parent as the role model, they recognize that you got to take care of yourself and self-care can start that idea very early. I have to tell my kids that all the time. I'm like, I need to take care of myself, not just you. Absolutely. Yeah. So where can people find your work? So I am mostly active on Instagram. My handle is um, the.reproductive.psychiatrist. And then I also have a website, kristenlassitermd.com. Perfect. I will make sure all of that's in the show notes. I really appreciate you taking your time to talk about this pretty heavy topic. I mean, one in three people talking saying that their birth was traumatic, that's big. So I hope this really helps the huge amount of people that come out of their birth feeling like they need support. So thank you for your time. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.